2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. We're going to go there this morning as we finish off two more weeks of January, beginning of this year. So I'm going to help you out with another New Year resolution here. 2 Kings chapter 4, beginning at verse 8. Now it happened one day that Elijah went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman. And notice this, church. There was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. She said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please, let us make a small upper room on the wall. We repeat verse 10. Let us make a small upper room on the wall. So she goes to her husband and says, let's make a room. Everyone say that. Let's make a room. Let's make a small room in the wall. Let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So she gives detail of how she wants it. So it will be, whenever he comes to us, he will turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and turned to the upper room and laid down there. Then he said to Gehazi the servant, Call the Shunammite woman. When he called her, he stood before him. And she said to him, Say now to her, Look, you've been concerned for us with this care. What can I do for you? What do you want me to speak on your behalf? Do you want me to speak on behalf to the king or to commanders of the army? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. So he said, what then is it that should be done for her? He asked the servant. And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son. And her husband's old. So he said, call her. When he called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year. Notice what he said to her. About this time Next year. So Elijah's really telling her, there's a new year coming. Come on. There's a new year coming. And by this time next year, you will embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, don't lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived bore a son at the appointed time that was said. And I want to preach you this morning on this subject. It's time to make room for a miracle. It's time to make room for a miracle. Because this woman made a room but she had no idea in making this room that she was setting herself up for God to do a miracle. And how many of you want a real new year this year? Real change, real miracles to take place. How many of you want God to really work and see the miracles of God? It's all up to you. Let's pray. Father, bless this word. 
help us to understand it. Apply it to our lives. Let us learn from this Shunammite woman what she did to make room for a miracle. She was hopeless, discouraged, yet you showed up in ways she never imagined. I pray for anyone here today, listening online, or present with us now, that's come today tired, defeated, afraid, discouraged. Father, will you pierce them with your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, you guys can have a seat as we get into this word today on making room for a miracle. This is a two-part sermon that I might finish off next Sunday. But making room for a miracle. You see, a woman, the Shunammite woman, she has this idea. She tells Elijah, I had to pers- the Bible says she had to persuade him to come over and eat. Just eat. Just have a meal with us. And I don't know why the Bible says that she had to persuade him. In other words, Elijah must have said, no, nah, I don't think so, but thank you. Maybe next time. I'm not sure. I'm really... And she goes, no, no, please come over. Come over just for one meal. So Elijah goes over and has this one meal. And it's funny because a few verses later, the Bible says that he went there regularly to eat. So you know that if you've ever fed a cat once, that cat's going to come back home and keep coming and it's going to make his home in your home. How many of you have done that before? Well, this is exactly what happens with Elijah. She fed the man once and he keeps coming back regularly. So much so that the wife comes up with this idea. She talks to her husband and says, listen, he keeps coming back. I fed him once. He keeps coming back regularly. Let's just make him a room so he can stay here and be comfortable. And the husband said, well, if that's what you want to do, let's make some room. Let's give him a room and he can come in and he can come as he pleases and let him eat all he wants. Our home is open to Elijah, the man of God. Elijah is grateful. Elijah's in his room one day, all nice and cozy. He says, man, this is great. Thank you, Lord. And he's praying in the context. He's in his upper room. And usually an upper room in the scriptures was a place of prayer. So I know, in my opinion, that Elijah is just praying and thanking God for his room. And God is hearing Elijah and he's saying, in prayer, I believe God said, Elijah, Go ask this woman what she wants. How we can bless her. So Elijah goes to this woman who made room and he says, hey, what can I do for you? Now Elijah the prophet is speaking on behalf of God. So it's like God literally saying to this woman through Elijah, what do you want me to do? What is it that you want? Are you happy in your life? Are you content? Is there something missing? Do you want more? What is it that you want? And this woman knows Elijah is a man of God. She knows that this man does miracles. She knows that she speaks on behalf of God. But her response in a modern way is like this. I'm good. Nothing, I'm fine, I'm happy, I'm I'm good. But Elijah had discernment and he leaves and he goes, no, 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 no. She's not telling me the whole truth. 
There's something missing in this woman's life. So he goes to one of her servants and says, hey, I talked to this woman and she says she's fine. Is that true? And the servant says, it's not true. The servant says, actually, this woman has no son, no children. And in that culture, to be barren and have no children was a devastating thing. And she said, the servant tells Elijah, this woman, she's always wanted a child. But it never happened. It's her dream. It's her desire. I wonder how many of you have dreams that never happened. Desires that never took fruition. Prayers that never got answered. Then you have an understanding of what this woman is saying. Once upon a time, I had dreams. Once upon a time, I wanted a child. Once upon a time, I wanted to be a mom. But it never happened. So she has settled and said, I'm good. Elijah... I would imagine tells God, she says she's fine. She says she's good. She doesn't want anything. And God tells Elijah, because Elijah just can't speak whatever he wants. He has to speak on behalf of God. So Elijah must have heard God say to him, go tell her. Next year is going to be different. Brings tears to my eyes because... Some of you have gone year after year after year with no change. Same old problem. Same old mess. And God tells Elijah, would you go tell this woman that by this time next year, new year is coming. This is a new year, and your next year is going to be different, girl. Next year, woman, I'm telling you, I'm going to answer your prayers. I'm going to change your situation. I'm going to do a miracle. And Elijah felt moved, and he said, I'm going to go tell her right now. And when Elijah goes to this woman, hey, I heard God. He spoke to me, and he has a message for you. What is it? He says that this time, next year, Everything's going to change. God's going to bless you. Your dreams are going to come true. And you would think that this woman would say, really, this is amazing. But this woman responds in a way that shocks me. She said, no. Nah. Stop it. Quit playing. She said, don't get my hopes up. Don't lie to me. She actually said, do not get my hopes up. Hope is the expectation of something good and better coming. And the fact that she says, do not get my hope up, means her hope is down and she's staying down. She's not expecting God to do anything good. She's not expecting God to do better. She's not expecting things to get greater. She's hit a level where she has settled. He says things aren't going to change. Nah. Not me. 
Elijah, I know you do miracles for other people, but not me. I know God can bless other people and God can do it for others, but not me, Elijah. You don't know my story. You don't know how old this guy is I'm married to. You don't know what the doctors have told me. You don't know that that dream expired a long time ago, buddy. Nah. Imagine if God would ask you right now, what do you want? Can you guys think about it right now? What do you want? And some of you might say, I want to be married. Some of the married people say, I want to be divorced. Some of you say, I, I want what the Shunammite wants. I, I want to be a parent. I want to be a mom or a dad. Some of you might say, I want to be debt free. I want a house. I want to get rid of this sin and addiction in my life. I want this person to find Jesus. I want to have that business. I want to, I want this guy. And now what if God would say, this time next year, things are going to change for your life. Because God has a way of changing your life. And I was thinking about this this morning. On 5 a.m., I'm up looking at this, and I started crying because I said to myself, I said, God, you're in the business of miracles. And I was thinking way back when, and I said, my God, I was single for 10 years, and everyone can say, when are you getting married? When are you getting married? I don't know. And I look at where I'm at now, and I'm married, and I have a daughter on the way, and a beautiful home and family on top of the family I had. And I look at my life now, and I say, who, what, I'm driving a, I'm driving a Subaru. Dressed like this, and I'm like, who am I? God has a way of saying no matter how many years you've been in a certain situation, there's an appointed time that if I want to change it, I will change it for you. But you know, the devil came this morning and he's telling you right now, nah, not you. Be single forever. You'll never be healed. You're going to stay in debt your whole life. You'll never get out of this addiction. Stop praying for that person to find Jesus. They're joining me in hell. I wonder if God would ask you, what do you want? And if God would say, I'm going to change it, how many people like this woman would say, no, not me? 
what would your response be? Maybe a few years ago, maybe it would have happened. But it's been too long. And this woman is in a place where a lot of people think that God can't even do it anymore because it hasn't happened yet. She's given up on dreams. She's given up on prayer. She's given up on her faith that this is going to happen. Her desires have fallen to a place where they have settled, and this is the way it's going to be. So let me just get comfortable with it. Let me stop expecting. Let me stop praying. Let me stop believing that it's going to change, and let me just settle. That's why when Elijah said, what do you want? She says, I'm good. Nothing, I'm fine. And she didn't even open up her heart to say, if we're being honest, Elijah, and if we're being real, I want to be a mom. She didn't even open up because she thought, what's the point? And many of you don't open up to God and get honest with him and say, Lord, this is what I want. Let your will be done under your timing, under your grace. She's hit a place where she feels it's never going to change. In fact, if you're not careful as men and women of God, we can fall into this. It's when your faith has been compacted. Let me explain what this does, what, what it means. Compaction. Why everyone say that? Compaction. It's your word for the day, this Sunday. Compaction. Say it one more time. Compaction has the word compacting. It's an agricultural term. It's a term used for planting. What happens is the soil gets pressed and walked on so much it gets stepped on and pressed on so continuously. That's literally what the definition of compaction is a continual pressing and crushing. And as a result, the soil gets hard. And if the soil is hard, I can grab these watermelon seeds because I love watermelon. I can put it in there. I can water it. I can do everything. But because the soil is compacted, The seeds stay on the top. The water never penetrates. The seed cannot grow. It is impossible for a soil that's compacted to grow anything. In other words, when you're compacted, nothing's going to change. You'll never see change. You'll never see growth. You'll never see a breakthrough. You'll never flourish. You'll never see anything. In fact, not only will nothing change and nothing grow, your life's going to be pretty messy. And this is what happens to our hearts and our faith. You see, life has a way of compacting you so much with problems and situations and obstacles 
and impossibilities and life continuously keeps pressing on you with disappointment. You've tried. You've failed. It hasn't worked. I've been waiting and nothing's happened. Everything's against me. And life continues to compact you and compact you and compact you, continuously crush you with disappointment, crush you with unanswered prayer, crush you with things you thought would be better but actually hurt you, crushed you. How many of you have ever been crushed by disappointment? Show me your hands. Your heart can be compacted. Where your faith can't grow. You settle. No change. I grab this seed right now. And in the Bible, the seed represents the word of God. But if your heart is compacted, the Bible calls this a hardened heart. If you've come to church with a hardened heart, and if the word of God represents a seed, if I would put this seed into a compacted soil, it would do nothing. That's why so many people can come to church time and time and time again, listen to a word, listen to a sermon, listen to a podcast, listen to a Bible study, read the verses, the word, the word, every Sunday, every Wednesday, every morning, devotional, and you're reading and reading and reading the word, but there's no change, there's no growth, nothing and everything is the same. It's because you can add the word of God into your life But if your heart is hardened, it can do nothing. Elijah told this woman, this time next year, thus says the Lord, you will have a child. He proclaimed the word of God to her. And what does she say? No, it did nothing because her heart was hard. That's why I can stand here and preach till I collapse in heaven. And I can tell you everything that God has for you. I can tell you everything you need to change. I can tell you everything you need for miracles and revival. I can tell you everything the Bible says to get you out of your situation. But the reason nothing changes in your life is because you've come to church and your heart is hardened. It's hardened by situations. It's hardened by your past. It's hardened by life. It's hardened because of other people crushing you. It's hardened. And if this is what your heart looks like, like the Shunammite woman, nothing I can say for you right now is going to convince you. Nothing's going to change you. And even God can pour out His Spirit and pour into your life. But if your heart is hard, nothing changes. I could even grab what I had at home, miracle growth. And I can add miracle growth. But if the heart, like the soil, is hard, how many of you believe a miracle is going to come out of this? No one. I'm just adding miracle growth. But there will be no growth, no miracle of your heart. It's hard. Some of us, we add this, this miracle growing to our lives. We think, 
If I just add Sunday to my life, God's going to change everything. If I just add a Sunday morning to my weekly schedule, God's going to bless me. I'm going to tell you something. You can add this to your weekly routine. Church on a Sunday for an hour and a half with this church and this pastor, whatever. But if you come to God with a heart that is made of stone and hardened, God can do what? He won't. That's why the Shunammite woman, Elijah has a word for her and says, God's going to bless you. God's going to do it. God's going to change it. And she says, wow. Because she's been crushed for so many years. She's gone through so much. Something in her says, it's not going to happen. It's dangerous. Proverbs 28, 14, it's dangerous. The Bible says, happy is a man who's always reverent. But he who hardens his heart, listen, he who hardens his heart will fall into what? Deep calamity. The word calamity in the Hebrew there in Proverbs, the word ra'ah, which literally means injured and miserable. How many of you want to be injured and miserable until you get to heaven? But if you decide to harden your heart, that's exactly what God says you'll have. Misery. You've been wounded and injured by all of the crushing of life and the disappointments and the failed expectations and what so-and-so did in your past, your childhood, the problems, your ex, this and that, that it hardens your heart because it's like everyone every day is trampling and trampling and trampling on you. And you get so trampled that your heart begins to lose hope, lose faith, stop praying, stop believing, stop asking God because it's not going to happen. So we have a Shunammite woman for years has been trampled and crushed by her failed prayers for a child that she no longer believes for it. And I can only imagine how many things in your life do you no longer believe for because it hasn't happened yet. And you're in this place of misery. And even as Christians, followers of Jesus, leaders, servants, churchgoers, pastors, we are at risk of hardening our hearts towards the miracles of God. Mark 6.52, proof. Because everyone knows I'm a Christian. I will never harden my heart. My heart is always soft for Jesus. The disciples, for they had not understood about the loaves because their what? Hearts were what? The disciples. It don't get better than the disciples. They left everything for Jesus. They followed him. They served him. In the Bible, Mark, because the rest were lying, the rest, the rest denied it. Mark was the only honest one that said, no, our, our hearts were hardened. We didn't believe it. We didn't understand the miracle of the loaves. 
The miracle of the loaves was God's way of showing that I'm in control of everything. I can do the impossible. I can call things that you can never imagine. I can do anything because I'm God and I can provide. The miracle of the loaves was Jesus showing his disciples his power. But their hearts were hardened. Mark 8, 17, Jesus confronts them about this another time. Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, who? The disciples, thank God. Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your what? Is your what, church? Is your heart still hard? Because the disciples were miserable. We have no bread. What are we going to do? What are we? What if we starve? How are we going to make it? What's going to happen? And God, Jesus just looks at them and says, "Hey, hey, you, you, yeah. Are your hearts still hard? Because you look pretty miserable, afraid all the time, discouraged all the time, hopeless all the time, worried all the time. Is your heart still hard?" You can be a great Christian, whatever that means. Go through a season where you're honest like Mark and says, our hearts are hard. Like the Shunammite woman. Hosea says this in 10, Hosea 10, 12, how to overcome the hardening of the heart. Because a heart can get hardened because of pride. Everyone say pride. You know what prideful people say? My heart's not hard. Yours is. I'm not wrong. You are. And you can't talk to someone with a heart in hand. If your heart is hard right now and I'm preaching to you, you know what you're thinking? Oh, this isn't for me. Hearts can get hardened because of sin. You sin so continuously. That's why you don't hear God anymore. That's why you can barely pray anymore. And hearts get hardened because of disappointment. And failed expectations and prayer. But God said this. I said, plant the good seed of righteousness. You will harvest a crop of life. How many want to harvest for your life? Come on, church. Notice what God, come on, give, say, give, yeah. You know what God says? Plow up the hard ground of your heart. You know what God said there? You want me to do miracles? You want me to change your life? You want me to bless you? But your heart needs to change first. Your hearts are hard. Plow. Because before you even think about putting a seed and growing a field of crops, you have to break the soil. God has to break your heart in the church. The heart that says, not me. Not God. I can't change. I can't be blessed. I'll never. I will always be. Nothing's going to happen for me. That's a heart that is so hardened by circumstances that God says, I have to plow. 
How? To plow up the hard ground of your hearts. For now is the time to seek the Lord. Not given place to God. Now, that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. God says, before I can bless you, before I can increase you, before I can do a miracle, before you can experience harvest and blessing, because the church talks a lot about harvest and blessing, but the church ignores the fact that God said, in order for me to bring forth a harvest in your life, I need to deal with your heart. And the way that you deal with the heart and heart, the Bible says, is you repent and you seek me. And he's telling the nation of Israel here, your hearts are hardened because you've abandoned me. You've left me for sin. But if you repent and you come back and seek me, I can plow your heart and bless you. So God is there saying, before I can bless you, I've got to really get into your heart. You know what I prayed this morning? I didn't pray, Lord, help me preach. Lord, bless the people. I said, Lord, would you break us this morning? Would you cause us to just break before you in repentance for allowing our pride, our sin, and our failed expectations and circumstances to harden our hearts where we no longer believe in the miracles and the power of who you are, that we no longer pray prayers that's impossible, we no longer believe for what is just completely unimaginable. We no longer seek God like we should because our hearts are so hardened. That's why you can come to church and it means nothing to you. You can hear a word like this and you're thinking about lunch. You're hearing beautiful worship that only led us and you're just there like nothing because your hearts this year came 2024 with a hard heart. How do I change See, when your heart is hardened, like the Shunammite woman, you've been trampled so much, disappointed so much. You stop trying, you stop believing, you stop expecting. This happens a lot in our lives. I'll give you an example. A married couple. And one spouse feels that the other one is trampling on them. Disrespectful. Never listen. Everything I want, they just trample on. And that spouse's heart gets so hardened that there's nothing in them that wants to even try anymore. Doesn't believe God can change a marriage. Doesn't believe in a revival for their hearts because they've been so trampled. They say, I'm not even going to bother. I'm just going to settle. Marriage is terrible. And you have two couples that are miserable. A single person wants to be married. Believes 
that marriage was called and says, I want to be married, but you've been trampled on by so many terrible dates. So, all oh, the men in Miami are trash. There's no good woman. I got to go down to the country because there ain't no good woman out here in the city in Miami. They're all chongas. They're all crazy. They're all gold diggers. I can't. The dating scene, every major city says this. The dating scene here is terrible. With everything I've worked on, you know how much I paid for this? For what? I want my money back. They didn't work. Go to church, you find yourself a good man. Come out with the devil. Because that good man is here for a good girl, but he's there pretending. That's another sermon. Let me not go there, Lord. I'm sorry. And then you go up to him. How many single guys do I have here? All right. I'm going to go up to you one day and say, hey, I found a good girl. You know what you're going to tell me? No, the Lord told me. I felt it in my spirit. She's the one. Stop lying to me. Hard and hard. You've been trampled on so much at work. You work so hard, you get no recognition, no promotion. You don't get a raise, you get demoted. Your heart goes to work hardened. I'm going to do the bare minimum. Why? What's the point? I'm stealing that paper clip. At least they can give me that. <laughs> I don't know why. I would have, I'm for the stapler, not the paper clip, but. <laughs> Pastors get hardened hearts. What? You don't think I come up here with a hard heart? Where me and God are talking, I'm like, what's the point? God, they ain't going to listen. They're not going to change. You're so trampled that our faith just doesn't grow. Our faith doesn't grow. This is your heart this morning. So you can get all the word you want, all the sermon, and God can pour into your life and all of that and see nothing. Because underneath the surface, your heart's the problem. Come on, that's good. It's your heart. No, it's my job. It's your heart. No, it's my spouse. No, it's your heart. No, it's these kids. No, it's your heart. No, it's this church. No, it's your heart. It's your heart. It's your heart. You've allowed it to be trampled on and hardened. I read this passage and he said, wait a minute. Her heart is hardened. She don't believe. Gets a word from God. The following year, God says she's holding a baby. God doesn't lie. The word of God will stand time, circumstances, and possibility. Can I get an amen there? It will stand. And if God says, I'm going to do it, it's done. It's done. 
God, I, I said, wait a minute. And I, I told God, I said, God, that's not fair. Her heart was hardened. You still blessed it? Am I reading that right? And she's holding the baby. Why? Ephesians 3.20. God said, he said, now to him who is able, shout, he's able. No, shout it. He is able. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than we ask. Did she ask for this child? No. She didn't ask for it. God said, you don't have to. Oh, you have to ask. If not, it's not going to happen. God said, no, I'm going to do things you never asked for. She didn't even ask it. Okay, I guess I want a baby. No, she never asked. But she never believed. She never imagined it would happen. According to his power. That's at work with us. Do you believe that God could do more than you've ever imagined? Do you believe God can do things you never even asked for? According to his power. The word power there in the Greek is the word dunamis, where we get the word dynamite from. God is dynamite. That's what he said. My power. It's like dynamite. And the word dunamis, it's, it implies strength and power and the ability to do a miracle. And that power is at work where? Not in your problems, not in your circumstances, not on the outside. Within what? Us. Within. God says, you want my dynamite? You want my power? You want my miracle? It first has to work in you. Your heart. This woman is doing the impossible. She's holding her baby. She never imagined God did it. And when I read this, I said, God, that's not fair, though. Girl had an attitude. She didn't believe. She was hardened. How? Why did you do it? Because she didn't, you don't realize when I read this, it's going to change your life forever. You guys ready? I want to encourage you this morning. Because I know some of you, you think this sermon is about God just blessing you. God's just changing your circumstance. God's just going to do it for you. And right now, this very moment, I can end the sermon. You guys can go home and say, wow, what a word. I needed that. I'm encouraged. I'm not ending it there. In fact, that's not what the sermon's about. She did something that changed her life forever. I'm going to pivot now. How many know sports? Pivot. You think I'm going this way? Look, going that way. That's what I'm going to do right now. Everyone looks at this woman and says, wow, God blessed her. God's going to bless me. God gave her. He's going to give me. God changed her circumstances. He's going to change my circumstances. And everyone says this. And God is able to do what he did for her. But here's my question. God is able to do to you what he did for her. But are you willing to do what she did for God? That's the question to answer. Because yes, God can do what he did for her.
You can do it for you. Bless you. Change your circumstances. Do the impossible. Do miracles. Heal you. Whatever. But are you willing to do what she did for God? Or what did she do? You want to break your heart and heart, church? This is how you do it. Number one, stop obsessing over it. Stop obsessing over what God hasn't done. Stop obsessing over a prayer and a dream and a desire. Stop obsessing. This woman was not obsessed over a child. You know why I say this? Because in the Bible, there were two other women in her situation. One of them was Hannah. Hannah did not have a child. She did not have a son. And because she did not have a son, the Bible says she was miserable and made everyone else miserable. And she went to dinner and cried. And her husband said, what's wrong, honey? What's wrong? I don't have a child. My life is terrible. And her husband said, wait a minute. Am I not enough? Am I not better? She was unhappy. She was ungrateful. She was miserable. Why? Because she was obsessed with what she Stop obsessing. If you're single, stop obsessing over, got to find someone, got to find someone, got to go to a date, got to get married, got to get married. I'm 30, I'm 40, I'm 50. Why am I not married? I'm so miserable. And be the best single person there is. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. If you're in a job and you're miserable, where am I, I going to get promoted? Where am I going to be the manager? Where am I going to own this place? Where am I going to have my business? Lord, and God says, stop obsessing. Stop obsessing. Rebecca was another one that didn't have a child. And her husband, what's wrong? She says, give me a child or I will die. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Am I in the place of God? That's God's issue. That, that's... Give me a child or I'll die. God, if I don't get this, I'm going to be miserable. God, if you don't change this, my life is over. God, I want it, I want it, I need it, I have to have it. And God said, I love the shoot of my woman. I'm good. Stop obsessing. Stop obsessing. How many needed to hear that this morning? Stop obsessing. Two. She made room. to serve Elijah. She had a hard heart, but you know what she said? I'm going to make room for Elijah. I'm going to serve him and bless him. You want God to bless you? Be a blessing first. You want God to really do miracles? Be a miracle for someone else. She didn't have to do this. She wanted to. And she didn't realize when she was making a room for Elijah she was actually making a room for a miracle. Why? Colossians 3.23 is why. Get this in your heart. Even if it's hardened, you got to listen to this. And whatever you do, do it what? Heartedly as to the Lord, not men. Know why it's so hard for you to serve others? Because you only think about them. They don't deserve it, Pastor. 
I'm not going to touch him. I'm not going to love him. I'm not going to be nice. I'm not doing it. No, yo, Hamas, am I going to be nice to that person? And God says, well, whatever you do to others, you're doing it to me. So that boss at your job, whatever you're doing for him, you're doing it for the Lord. Whatever, you're a parent, you're a spouse, wherever you're at, that God said, whatever you do, do it as to the Lord. So in making room for Elijah, she was actually making room for God. And here God sees a woman whose heart is hardened. He sees a woman who's down and hopeless. But you know what else God sees? A woman whose prayer I haven't answered, who I've disappointed in the past, a woman who's lost faith and hope. But look at her making room for my servant. Look at her being a blessing. Look at her being kind. Look at her being compassionate. Oh, I'm going to bless you, girl, because you're not allowing what I haven't done to stop you from doing what is right. You're not bitter. You're not obsessed. You are giving. You are serving. You are blessing. And the Bible says, I bless those who bless. You want a miracle in your life? Be a blessing. She made room. The last thing she did, she stopped obsessing, started being a blessing, took her mind off. You know why she served? Because when you serve others, you're not thinking about you. You know why you're miserable? Because all you do is think about you. What about me? What about me? What about my needs? My dreams? My desires? My problems? My job? My money? My kids? My problems? Me? Me? That's all I hear as a pastor. And you say, what about me? I say, well, what about God? What are you doing for him? Some of the happiest people I know are the ones that serve. You want to stop being miserable? Join a ministry group. Come early. Help Maria clean. I don't know. Do something. Take your mind off yourself. Go with me to the Miami Rescue Mission. I'll go show you men with real problems. Serve them, feed them, help them, be a blessing. She took her mind off herself because she was serving others. So stop obsessing over what God hasn't done yet. And just continue to be a blessing because in making room for Elijah, she was actually making room for God. And some of you want God to bless you, but you're not making any room for him to bless you. Because you're so bitter all the time and angry and selfish and self-centered. What room does God have to bless you? Here's the real kicker. Make the best of where you're at. Make the best of your bad situation. Make the best. How does she do this? She made her room put our thinking caps on. In that culture, it's not like today, you get married, you leave. You're 18, get out. You're married, get out. Start your home, move away. That culture was a lot like Hispanic culture. Just we live close. We're together. And in that culture, you would add additions to the home as the child got married. 
So when a child got married, they would go away for about a year, the wife. And in that year, the parents would prepare another addition to their home to come back home. That's a great thing, amen? Mom, can I come back? <laughs> Man, I come back a year later, and my, is your room, hijo? I got you your food. I'm like, ooh, que rico, I love it. So she has an addition able to make a room. Church, let's think about this. That room was intended for who? The son she never had. That room represented what God didn't do. That, that, that room is like saying, I have an empty nursery. That room is for my child. That room was for my dreams. That room was for my prayers. That room was everything I wanted because I wanted that room to one day be my son up there. And you know what she says? Well, no one's using it. God didn't answer that prayer. I might as well use it to bless someone else. I might as well use this room that would have been for my son. I'm just going to use it and make the best of it. Elijah, do you want it? Sure. And God said, that's what it looks like to make the best out of a terrible situation. You make the best of your disappointment. Make the best of where you're at. Serve others. Be a blessing. Stop obsessing. And watch God change your life. Come on, give him praise. Let's pray. Every head bow, every eye close. Let's pray. How many of you are obsessive? Come on, show me your hands. You're obsessive. God bless you. You're obsessive. Stop obsessing. Say it right now. I'm going to stop obsessing. Jesus, help me to stop obsessing over my dream and desire. Let me trust in your time. How many of you, a show of hands, have a heart in heart? That's my heart. I don't believe in the miracles. I don't believe God can change me anymore. I've gone so trampled through life. Believe me when I tell you this morning. You stop obsessing Stop obsessing and be a blessing to others. Get your mind off you, put it on others, and make the best of where you're at on the where on the way to where you're going. God's not finished with you. She thought it was over. She thought her dreams were done. But when she made room for Elijah, she was making room for God. That's why the title of this message is Make Room for a Man. And God is showing you right now. I can't make a miracle in your life happen because there's no room for me. You're selfish, you're self-centered, you're prideful, you're in sin, you're arrogant, your hearts are hard. You obsess too much. And God says, why don't you just trust me? Trust in my timing. Just be a blessing. Make the best of your life. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. We pray, Father, for every person 
who came in with a heart in hand. He's tired of being miserable. Forgive us, Lord, for obsessing over the dreams we have, desires we wish. Forgive us for being so obsessed, thinking this one thing is going to make me happy, Lord, when you're right here in front of me. And help us, Lord, to be a blessing like the Shunammite woman, to make the best out of a terrible situation. She used the emptiness of that room that reminded her of her childless life. She used it for your glory, Father. And I pray like the Shunammite woman, wherever we are at, whatever we are doing, we do it for you and your glory. You know our desires. You know our dreams. You know what we want. And Father, I pray that we repent of our heart and hands. And if you're here this morning, church, and you're saying, Pastor, my heart is hardened by being trampled and trampled and trampled. But I want God to plow my heart. I want to repent of my pride, my sin, and my arrogance. God bless you, man, for standing up. Right now, you stand up to your feet. And if you're here this morning, I want to tell you that God cannot change anything in your life until you make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. He is ready for you. If you would receive him today, acknowledge right now that you are a sinner in need of Christ. He is the only way to the Father. And the Bible is clear. If you ask the Lord for forgiveness, and he is faithful and just and will forgive. He is ready to be received. If that's you today, you stand to your feet right now. If you're here today and you have a heart and heart, the Lord is ready. Let's pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Soften my heart to believe again. Father, help us to dream dreams and see visions, to believe for the impossible, to know that you still do miracles. And in a matter of a moment, our entire year can change. And it might be year after year like this woman, nothing's changed. But all it takes is one word and one new year to make everything different. So Father, I pray your word will come to us with a soft heart and we receive this word knowing that you are God Almighty. You are the great I Am. You can do the impossible. So I pray, Father, as we wait for miracles, we make room for them. We will not obsess. We will not be bitter, but we will serve others and be a blessing to others and make room for you with what you have given. Help us to do and make the best of where we're at like she did, Lord. She could have been bitter. She could have been angry. She could have been selfish, but she chose to serve your servant. And in doing so, she was doing it unto you, Lord. And you could not ignore a heart that serves you. But Father, I pray you give us a willing heart to serve you and others, to be a blessing, to be humble, and recognize that you owe us nothing, but everything is by your grace. And in Jesus' name, we make room for miracles. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, amen. Give God a shout of praise today.
I hope you guys enjoyed that word today. How many of you were blessed today by that word and say, Pastor, I needed that today because I'm a little obsessive, I'm a little controlling, and I don't know. She did everything she did. She did out of love. She wasn't trying to manipulate. She wasn't trying to do anything. And God answered her. Next Sunday, though, the woman's son, the blessing, dies. And it's one of those passages that I say, God, you make no sense. And next Sunday, we're going to connect this story. Why God would give her a child only to take it away. And if you're here this morning and something in your life has caused you to ask God, why? I don't understand. What's the point? Why are you doing this? Why did you bless me only to hurt me? Do not miss part two of making room for a miracle. How many of you to commit and say, Pastor, I will be here next Sunday. I want to finish off this message. Come on, show me your hands right where you're at. Amen.